Hey everybody, welcome to the Rockpile Talkpile, the official podcast of the Colorado Rockies subreddit. I'm Zach, otherwise known as username Zach17. And I'm John J. Foster15. I'm Jason, JSA17. I'm Jack uh, Underbubble. Uh, Evan, Legacy3233. We're all happy that Evan is joining us for this very special edition of Prospect Watch. Prospect Watch. Yeah, we're trying to get more action. There it is. I'm gonna I'm gonna get like a little stinger thing, like a radio voice, and then like have like explosions and fireworks sounds. Prospect watch. (laughs) Like monster truck commercials. It'll be like that. But in Coming up this April, Prospect Watch. You're paying for the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. Speaking of um, holding us at the edge of our seats, is everybody, like, ready for that next Rockies signing? You mean when they sign Carlos Gonzalez and Gerardo Parra, smash them together (laughs) into one veteran outfielder, and call them Carardo Parzala? Yeah, there's not going to be another big signing, I don't think, at this point. I think... uh... Daniel Murphy was our move, and I hope I'm wrong. And I mean, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not saying they're not going to sign anybody. It's just not going to be a big signing, and it's going to be a name you've already seen in purple bin stripes. So it's not going to be anything groundbreaking. Either. Yeah, I you think. You mean Bryce Harper to the Rockies isn't going to happen? What about Manny Machado? No, I'll pass. No, no. It's funny, John. You mentioned it too, but and it, it will never happen, um, just because of the all the other factors in it, but Bryce Harper fits the Rockies so it's well. It's an absurd fit. He crushes right-handed pitching. He has good outfield defense except for 2018 when he was trying to save his body for a contract. And he would for sure make Nolan resign. Like, Nolan might resign like the moment Bryce signs his contract. And, yeah, I mean, watching him hit right-handed hitting at Coors oh. with, the you know, that right-field porch, there'd be a lot of balls up there. Six, 660 sluggy percentage. Plus two beards in the outfield. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. David Dahl has a beard, right? <laughs> Isn't yes. it pretty mm-hmm. magnificent? He, he we have three. Have it's not magnificent. It's, it's, it, ex- it, it could be better. I can't grow any facial hair. Any beard is magnificent to me. I, I know that. <laughs> mm. Oh, God, this beard is so great that I have. Maybe I can play outfield. I don't know. Maybe can we can. You? But, Maybe we can. But so, speaking of... Daniel Murphy, there was big news on him today. Number nine in your media guides. So some people are upset that Daniel Murphy's going to be wearing number nine, taking DJ LeMahieu's number. Some people couldn't care less. Other people have pointed out that when Matt Holiday and Cargo were traded for each other, uh, Cargo took Matt Holiday's number, and you were certainly not upset with the results of that. But we also have Alexia Marista wearing two of those number right afterwards, which, unlike this one, actually leaves a sour taste in my mouth. I don't know. I'm one of yeah, the people who me. doesn't really love Daniel Murphy coming in and immediately wearing DJ's number. Uh, I wasn't, I guess I'm still not a huge fan of the, the signing. Um, and also, you know, DJ just left. I and feel like the Rockies are like, that one couple or you know like when your high school girlfriend broke up with you and she like immediately like started to like try and hit on your best friend to like get back at you 
Does, did no one else have this experience? Okay, well, I did. And I feel like the Rockies, like, I, I don't know if Daniel Murphy picks his number or they were just like, draw a number out of a hat and give it to me because it's a like Tulo to Amarista. Um, you know, who else? The Tulo to Amarista. Uh, yeah, Cargo and. And Amarista yeah. is going to be on the team longer than Daniel Murphy was. Uh. I mean, Amarista just stuck around. What was he, like three or four seasons of Black Bean? I think it was one season. I think it was just one season. <laughs> it was the one, it was season. one season. It felt so long. <laughs> it did feel long because he was always up in big situations where a power hitter would have been ideal and Mr. 400 Sleeping Mr. Sneaky Pull Pop. You know what would be an interesting yeah. way to increase the slugging of your team is if you happen to have a designated hitter in all leagues, as the MLBPA was discussing. Uh-oh. Pitchers who rake. Uh, J- John Heyman said today that it wouldn't be if that happens, and I think, unfortunately, at this point, it's a foregone conclusion to happen sometime. Mm. But if it did happen, it wouldn't be this year. And there's no way that you can do that to teams this year because you have 15 teams that spent the entire offseason focusing on not be- having a DH, and you can't suddenly throw that in their lap a week before pitchers and catchers report. Yeah, and I'm one of the few NL fans in the existence who is accepting of the DH and would actually prefer to have the DH. No Mostly way. Because three true outcomes, John. Three true outcomes are walks, <laughs> strikeouts, and home runs, which you get from a DH a lot more than you get from a pitcher. Yeah, but, but you get a lot also, of strikeouts uh, from a pitcher. I don't see the difference. You just keep a pitcher in and you get the strikeouts, yeah. the same thing. <laughs> I mean, just think about what Willian Rosario's career could have been had we had a DH in Colorado. Isn't Baby mm. Bull looking to make a comeback, though? He's with the Twins. He signed a minor league Oh, he signed a minor league contract with the Yankees. You think so? Uh, I thought it was the I'm Twins. pretty sure it was Good for him. the Twins. So. Oh, you might be right that it was the Twins. It was an a- yeah, it was an ALT Good. for sure. Go Twins. I'm a Twins fan now. If it was the Yankees, I was going to say, man, they're really just trying to collect that old Rockies infield. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Um, and, I mean, there's. I guess you could look at players throughout the history of the Rockies that would have been interesting to see at DH last year. It would have been a lot of fun to watch Matt Holiday in that last month DH instead of play that abomination of outfield defense that he did. Yeah. It's not like we could have put him at first base in Desmond in the outfield because that would have – that just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Too much sense. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, it would be – it would be it would be fun to see a DH at Coors Field, but I'm still against it. It gives me a weird kind of uh, like a double edged sword feeling with Bud Black mm-hmm. as our manager if we had a DH because one of the few things I like about Bud Black is he likes to like put pitchers in in certain situations and seems to manage to have good double switches, and that's what I love about about baseball in general is the strategy that you have that you have to have a relief pitcher bat and then you pinch hit him and you reverse the lineup all around do all these kind of complex ways to make it so that way you can outlast your opponent because every person who is on the field has to hit or be pinch hit for. But if you had a DH, then you lose all that strategy and then you might actually just be able to put a good defender where they should be. Counterpoint, uh, no Archie Bradley triple if there's a DH. <laughs> and I You're under be... arrest. No, it's illegal to talk about that. that. No. I'm calling the police. I'm pretty I'm sure, though, that Bud Black is on record saying that in 2000, if we had had a uh, DH in 2018, it actually would have been Pat Valley. <laughs> <right? laughs> 
Wow. Who's still in the 40, right? He's still in the 40. He's still yeah. in the 40. He probably is an opening day 25 man. If I'm... Oh, don't you dare. I, I, if, Which... who, okay, maybe it's Garrett Hampson instead of him, but it, it, he's, he's, Garrett Hampson is on the outside looking in. Like, but he shouldn't. I say be. it every time. I, I say it every time that Garrett Hampson was on the 25 man roster for the playoffs, and so was Pat Valeka. So it still could be Pat Valeka, even if Hampson oh, was there. Oh, my Pat, God. Pat Valeka. With Mac and Albuquerque. Needs no. to. In order to be at all justified as being anywhere near this big league roster, blow everyone away in spring training. And I just don't see that happening with how hard he has been sliding, how bad he was in Albuquerque, how bad he was with us, and how right? absolutely awful he was in Winter Mexican all League. League. Yeah. But you he played like the Winter know, League and um... bat like 37. <laughs> he literally batted point zero three seven. Go ahead, John. Would you guys like to know his BP projection that came out today? No, but you'll tell us anyway. <laughs> Minus 0.1 wins above replacement player, their version, and a 68 DRC plus, which is significantly worse than every other Rockies player, except for Brendan Rodgers, who has a 59 for some reason. Wasn't Ian Desmond's WRC plus last year about 68? Yeah, well, his DRC plus uh, projected is 90, though. How about that? So, Baseball Reference has him. I mean, they're projecting him to get 286 plate appearances in 2019. Well, too like, many. Which, which is half a. It's almost That's half too a many. season. That is. Too- yeah, it's it's 286 too many. Um, and they're projecting him to have an OPS of 697. Ooh. Wait, are we so. talking about Blaker or Desmond? Pat they're the same person, right? Whoa, I could see him getting 250 yeah. at bats. I mean, I always, I always feel like these these projections, though, tend to be more on the optimistic side. Even Desi's projections last year were a lot more optimistic. They're, They're pretty conservative. good this year. Conservative is the word they use. Steamer has him hitting 20, 94 weighted runs created plus next year uh, and putting up 0.9 Fangraphs for. So, you know. What I, th- what I don't understand about Desmond getting good projections is that Desmond throughout his entire career has been the same player, and that's a ground ball hitter. That's just all he's ever been. So how are you going to project him to be good at Coors as a ground ball hitter? How are you going to project him to be that good when he's going to hit 70%, 70% of his balls on the ground anyway, but let alone at Coors? I just I don't understand how you could balls ground look at anything that he's Coors, done in the past. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how you could look at anything he's done in the past and say, oh, this guy is going to have a good year. I Because he's just not. It's not like he got younger. <laughs> right. <laughs> And he, I mean, it's it's not it's not to say that Desmond has never had a good season. He just doesn't project well the older he gets, and he doesn't project well for the field he plays eighty one of his games in. We shall see. I don't know. Yeah. So Pat Valeka. Yeah. <laughs> Pat Valeka. Um, speaking of Pat Valeka, um, Real Muto got traded today. Actually, that was a that was Zach. The worst I can't do the transitions like you can. <laughs> speaking of, here's the other thing. Yeah, that's basically what that yeah, is. Yeah, no. Um, a plus yeah. transition. Good job, everybody. Yeah, thank you, thank you. This is why I'm not the host of the podcast. Um, no, Ramuda got traded today. Okay. He got traded for prospects uh, from the Phillies. Sixto Sanchez, who is rated number 21 on uh, MLB Pipeline, um, he is rated. the 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 general consensus on him is high risk pitching prospect that can throw 102, but doesn't know where it's going when it leaves his hand. So good stuff. Uh, bad 
placement. And um, he's Rick Vaughn. He's Rick Vaughn. <laughs> yeah. um, and then there's Jorge Alfaro, who uh, is good. Um, he was ranked 36 last year before he graduated. Um, his idea is like plus arm, like cannon, like probably should be a pitcher um, cannon. And uh, the rest of it's not that great. But um, he did put up two war last year. Um, so it's a hefty package. Um, if you want something comparable, I commented this earlier, but it's basically like Brendan Rogers and David Dahl. And then some international slot money. I think that's close-ish. The, the, third, the third piece that they sent was a pitcher with a generic name, which whose name I don't know, and I don't care. But I can't remember who tweeted it out, but somebody tweeted out that they talked to a bunch of scouts about him, and he reminds them of a young Chris Sale. So just throwing that out there. Their third piece was reminds it people of a young Chris Sale. Will Stewart, right? He's a lefty? Yeah, random generated name. I knew it was a generic name. But yeah, uh, Sixto Sanchez gets comps to Pedro Martinez, and that's crazy, I know, but that's how highly people think of him. And like Jack was saying, Coriel Farrell, you just don't run on him. His arm is insane. I know we played against the Phillies last year with Alfaro, and I can't remember who it was. I think it was Trevor Story. Tried to steal on him and was out by at least three lengths when he slid. Oh. Whose story was a top ten speed guy in all of baseball yeah. last year. Jorge Alfaro's arm is Stars no fast. joke, and his offense is behind, but he's a catcher, and in this day and age, your catcher's offense is across the board, with the exception of your JT Rio Mutos and Yasmani Grandals and Buster Posey's, is going to be average at best. So for any Rockies fans out there that are upset that the Rockies didn't trade for Real Muto, the package that the Marlins just got for him, we just we couldn't have matched it. Like, the Phillies so far... Mm-hmm outpaid anything that we could have done and it, it was said that they wanted an elite pitcher and like both of our pitchers um kind of depends on where you look honestly either ryan rollison or uh, peter lambert are considered our top pitching prospects they're both projected to be like number four starter types like pitchability mm-hmm. um command guys and so um when they wanted someone who was elite and flashy there was just no way we were going to do that and pint just took so many steps back last year Oh, yeah, he, um, we'll talk about that later, but he was, uh, uh, question marks, to, to mm. put it nicely. We do have some question marks. It does seem like we weren't at the real Mudo. Um, the, I think the only thing is, you know, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado still haven't signed. Um, Chris Granderson just signed a minor league deal. Um, Hunter Pence signed a minor league deal. Mark <laughs> Reynolds, I mean, you should sign a minor league deal, but, um, it kind of feels to me that, like, there's this whole... Mark Reynolds did sign a minor league deal. Yeah, signed a, he's the one who, like, you should have signed a minor league deal. Gotcha. But the other ones, I'm like, well, I feel like some roster should have had him. I'm, I'm, the catching move that I'm bummed about that we could have made is I've always liked Devin Messerocco, mm. who signed a minor league deal with the Mets. And, and they just re-signed him. And they have Travis Darnode, who's never had a major league season above average. And from what I hear, um, Mets fans are pretty happy with bringing Mesorosco back on a minor league deal. I'd be happy bringing Mesorosco back on a cheap deal. On a minor league deal, that's a, that's a steal. Yeah, seriously. And he's a good fit for Coors, too. He, uh, he hits a lot of fly balls, um, which uh, I think is a little unappreciated at City Field. So, um, you know, because that, that part just sucks. Every, yeah. Um, he would have been a good fit. He just, uh, a lot of injuries and stuff. 
Yeah, his one his one full season he's played, he had a 155 OPS plus. Oh. And granted, it's one full well, season because he's been injured so much, but mm. the bat, I, he has bat. I feel like Mezorosco on a minor league deal, if we had managed to get him instead of the Mets, could have been a chance to be as big a steal as the Mark Reynolds minor league deal in 2017 with just how much that worked out for us compared to how little we had to invest. It's just weird. I feel like at this point you should just like call every free agent like, this is a terrible minor league deal. Do you want to take it? It is February. Right. You know? I, I would, part of, I'd be willing to bet most 32-year-old and over free agents would take that at this point. Yeah. Something. Part of me wonders, you know how this whole debacle is happening with the free agency ever since, like, sometime last offseason, everybody decided, like, let's just stop signing free agents early and then make them just wait it out and then get desperate and lower their value. And I feel like it started happening as soon as Jeff British signed all of those free agent pitchers. Like, exactly after that. And then, like, you know what? We're just not going to sign any free agents anymore. It was a weird thing because every offseason in the run-up to that has been generally the same. You know, guys, the, the stragglers are the ones getting right. signed at the winter meetings. If this is all cool. And everything else happens before it. And then suddenly, yeah, the Rockies had pockets and everything changed. If this is all collusion, which it could be, I feel like it's all collusion without Jeff British because nobody likes him or something. <laughs> the, the White Sox are orchestrating the collusion and you. they don't take British phone calls anymore. It's like Jeff British like had a whole <laughs> bunch of like extra something and just didn't offer it at like his party and I don't know. What? He didn't BYOB yeah, for his first It was interviews. like he came over and there was a BYOB party. I was like, oh, man, I forgot my, my stuff at home. And I'm also <laughs> not going to talk to anybody at the party except in like five sentence, five word sentences. like In very vague sentences. Come around. What do you do for a living? I work in an office. <laughs> come around, parks, sometimes. Responsible growth. Responsible uh, growth. Uh, that's how to get John all... <laughs> Do you think wow. he's an animatronic robot? <laughs> Just like responsible growth, responsible growth. <laughs> I know. It's like every year he just has to make some absolutely confounding uh, free agency signing, like Brian Shaw was last year, where you were like, uh, "I am okay. baseball GM." <laughs> if anybody has the right batteries for Jeff British, please tell us. <laughs> How do we make it more like I think he needs quadruple A batteries. I was gonna go with he needs like twenty D cell batteries. <laughs> speaking uh, of quadruple, <laughs> speaking of quadruple A, there's some guys who are on the cusp of joining the team or not, and they might get invited to spring training, or they might just be interesting prospects. We'll find out after this break. Hey everybody, welcome back to Rockpile's Hawkpile. Um, back to Prospect Watch with your host, Jack. That was like one of those uh, jingles for like breaking news. We did three um, different things there. I went all sexy for some reason. Evan went action and Jack went news. <laughs> welcome back to Prospect Except Watch. Jack went like your channel three, three in the morning, kind of low budget local news. 
<laughs> Honestly, I could see Jeez. it. Prospect Watch is a little bit low budget. Yeah. Our podcast uses flashcards instead of fancy graphics. All right, just deal with it. I don't know about you guys, but I've got a dude in the back holding up cue cards for me. <laughs> Hold on, I gotta insert a floppy disk real quick. Let, let me put this all together using my zip drive. There you go. A, if this is happening on my news program right now, my news program is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Your news program is at three in the oh, morning, Jack. Nobody's watching. Yeah. That's why I'm. It's local. It's local access <laughs> channel. Is what hey, we're there's at. some insomniac watching. Meth heads. Oh, For all you meth heads out here, here's Jack's prospect watch. <laughs> all right, I'm not gonna do the jingle again though. I don't remember what it was. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, uh, Prospect Watch. Uh, as many of you know, the, uh, <laughs> the uh, list of people who are invited to the party of spring training came out. Um, there are guys on the top 30, definitely, like uh, Brennan Rogers, Colton Walker, Nevin, and all that. But they also invited other cool people like um, Mark Reynolds, Michael Saunders, uh, Chichi Gonzalez. So it'll be, it'll be fun. But basically... Um, we're we're gonna kind of use this as like an educational um, podcast, kind of talk about all of our cool prospects. Um, we gotta start off with Brendan Rogers here. Brendan Rogers is obviously the consensus uh, number one prospect. Um, I've seen him mostly compared to guys like Brian Dozier, um, which is pretty good because he was good for a while. Uh, risk is medium low, but you probably won't see him until. Uh, 2019, because he was terrible in Albuquerque. Um, what do you guys What do you guys know about Brandon Rogers? What do you guys like about him? Um, John, Brandon Rogers mashes. That's what I know about him. He also uh, he plays. There was some thought earlier in his career that he would get too big for shortstop and have to move to third base, uh, but that obviously hasn't happened. So that's pretty good. Um, and he is going to be able to compete with um, in spring training for the starting second baseman job. And he's not going to get it, mostly no. because of service time issues. Um, he's got to work on his defense. Of course, he's got to work on his defense, just like Vlad Jr. is going to have to work on his defense. Um, but like Jack was saying, he did struggle in a brief appearance at AAA. Uh, but in AA, he did have a 129 weighted runs created plus with a 218 ISO power. So the man can mash, and he even knocked his walk rate up in AA last year uh, up to 7.5%, which for someone who's 21 years old in AA when the average age is around 23, that's really good. So in uh, AA, yeah, Brendan Rodgers is, is 5.5 years younger than the average age, and in AAA is 3 and a, or, other way around, excuse me, and double A is about three and a half years younger than the average age, and triple A is about five and a half years younger than the average age. So he is young. He did struggle pretty mightily in the games that he did play for Albuquerque last year, uh, slash line of 232, 264, 290. So that was rough, but he's still, I mean, Baseball America has his, has him listed as the 14th best prospect in baseball. Um, Major League Baseball's rankings have him at 10, and Baseball Prospectus has him at 22. So that... 
brief amount of struggle in AAA isn't really a cause for concern to most people just because he is so young compared to the people he's playing against in AAA. Right, and it's also because of injury. Um, it's a, I read that he had not only shoulder tightness, but also a hamstring issue towards the end. That's why you didn't see him in the Arizona Fall League. Um, and I, I think that when he goes to uh, AAA next year, we'll obviously see something a lot better. He's actually rated as a medium-low risk process, or risk process, prospect. Um, but there's a few questions about his hit tool. Um, I think Keith Law said that they expect him to hit like 290 to 310 and about their um, kind of higher ceiling projections. But uh, yeah, he's good. It's just a question of when at this point. I'll be surprised if he... I personally, I really like the fact that Brendan Rodgers is a good baseball player, but a lot of me wonders if there's a chance of signing Nolan Arenado and you got, I don't know, like other prospects behind him and this is your year, you know, would it be worth it to make the big splash? If you've already, if you actually had like Ryan McMahon and Brendan Rodgers actually at their full potential... And you had Trevor Story and Arenado, and then you bring up, I don't know. Garrett Hampson. Well, yeah, but, like, if you have some other infield guys who can just spell them, I mean, Josh Blades Fuentes. Way, Fuentes, Welker, eventually, they're all pretty, they're not all high-ranked, but if you've got all these high-ranked guys now, I know we want to see Brennan Rodgers, but if we don't see him this year, and if for some reason this is the year, I kind of want to go for it. I mean, you guys know my opinion on Brendan Rodgers throughout this entire offseason has been if 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 a team is looking for him in a piece that the Rockies want, I think they you 100% trade Brendan Rodgers because there's enough there to fill his position, especially if, you know, if, if Nolan signs long-term, if Josh Fuentes works out, which I know he's more on the Rockies radar than anything else, or Rockies fans radar than anything else. Nevin Welker. Yeah, there's enough there to supplant Brendan Rodgers that if he's the piece that's holding up a deal, I really hope that the Rockies are not holding up a deal because he's the piece. And, and I think yeah. even we even have people like Hampson that have the potential to fill that gap should we be able to deal Rodgers or find a solid deal for him. I'm really interested to see how Hampson does in spring training in the early part of the season with, I think, how well he did um, at the end of last year when he finally got the call and was doing very, very solid work in in Coors Field. Um, so I, I guess you've really got to look at how much are we sold on Brendan Rodgers as the future versus being able to utilize him to get some other key pieces elsewhere. Mitch Hanniger. Hmm. But um, it would be it'd be interesting. I feel like we all know Brendan Rodgers is good. It'd be nice to see him, but I also some of us would like to trade him. But there was a name that was mentioned. And I'm wondering if Jack wants to just kind of skip through part of his prospect watch and find one of the people that might be standing in Brendan Rodgers' way and give us a little information about Garrett Hampson and what his role might be. Oh yeah, I have. Uh... I have Garrett Hampson next here. Uh, oh, that worked out well. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, um, the the thing that's crazy about the Rockies, like, I have, like, six or seven prospects that are worth talking about in our infield things, and they're, that way outnumbers, like, any other category. It's just because it's a position we're so deep in. I mean, you've got 
people who are ready tomorrow, like Garrett Hampson. You got people who aren't going to be ready until literally 2022, like Grant Levine. But Garrett Hampson is the guy that is closest. Um, what I've read about him is that I don't know if he has much competition for like third base or shortstop. He's very specifically, at least according to like Baseball America, more of a second baseman or a center fielder. Um, just because he doesn't have the greatest arm, but he has excellent feeling, excellent running. Um, and his bat is, you know, he's got an above average hit tool, but hilarious power, as in hilariously bad. Um, and so, you know, I think Garrett Hampson is good, but Garrett Hampson also does not have the ceiling that Brendan Rodgers has. Um, so, you know, what I've read is that, like, his risk is extremely low because every single level he hits exactly the same. If not better, he's always improving his walk rate. Um, he's at 300 at every level and has a 317 career minor league batting average. Um, he shows gold glove upside at second base. Like he's pretty much DJ LeMahieu with better on base skills. And with DJ LeMahieu, DJ LeMahieu could run really freaking fast. And was shorter. And look at how much every Rockies fan loves DJ LeMahieu. So if he's DJ LeMahieu with better base running skills, like he's a fan favorite. He's instantly. I mean, he's a fa- he's a favorite yeah. amongst us already. I, like the moment I caught wind of him, I sort of immediately fell in love uh, with the guy. <laughs> he sh- and when he came up and just watching him, how quickly he went straight from Albuquerque, um, from Hartford to Albuquerque, and then lightning fast was ready to go for the major league long- roster and performed really admirably uh, while he was up here last year. Um, Speaking of when Roger, Rogers was up for or he played in 24 games last year and he posted a .3 WAR, which that projects out for 162 games to almost exactly 2.0 um, WAR. So if he's a two WAR player, you'll I mean you'll take that because he's on a minor league or excuse me on his, on his pre-arb deals and stuff like that. Um, and he had a he had a 103 OPS plus, and that's when he came up for his first time ever to see major league pitching, and had an OPS plus that was. Among the only on the team that was over 100. I mean, Hampson? Yeah. yeah. So you said Hampson and you said lightning fast. I wanted to say that Lampson, Hampson is lightning fast. And if he's so fast, why don't we just, you know, see what happens in spring training if for some reason he just, like, made his way into center field. I guarantee there will be times this spring training where he's out in center field just to see um, – especially when Ryan McMahon and Brendan Rodgers are playing second base. Especially um, when Ian Desmond's our center fielder. I, well, yeah, I, and, and guys like Desmond aren't going to play as much later on, or excuse me, early on in um, spring training. They're going to give those veteran players blows. So you're going to see a lot of young guys, especially start of spring training. I think and I, like Hampson I said, and guaranteed. I think Hampson and center field might draw the D, Cor- the D. Gordon comparison. Um, I think Hampson's a little bit better hitter than D, but their speed is comparable. I remember one of the the concerns when the Mariners first put D Gordon out in center field was his arm strength, which is a little bit of a concern for Garrett with... Um, That's true. He's only average. He's, he's got an yeah. average arm strength, but that could be something he could definitely work on, and I, I definitely want to see him make some reps out in center field because he's got the glove and he's got the speed that if he can get the arm and the bat, then he'd be a very solid starting center fielder. And then that clears up a little bit of the infield logjam that we've got with McMahon and Rogers. 
And I mean, I don't think, uh, I know John has argued for it, and I think we all kind of agree with him that uh, it would be fun to see Billy Hamilton in center field for us, and Billy Hamilton doesn't have a good arm. And then if you go even further on that, we all love Charlie Blackman, who doesn't have a good arm. So I think you take the bad there and you're fine with it even if he has a weak arm i mean right field's really the only outfield position where you it's a must to have a strong arm mm-hmm. and david mm-hmm. Dahl does have a strong arm ryan Maltapia has a strong arm uh, so anybody we put in right field in 2019 most likely those two possibly a cargo or a para who both have good arms also um we're fine there in the outfield with two suboptimal arms. And I think there's a and just a quick thing because I, oh, go ahead, I just think there's a lot of upside to the idea of uh, Blackman, Hampson, Dahl outfield. Is that even with some of the negatives that all three of them bring to the table, um, Charlie's declining defense and uh, not so great arm, Hampson's not so great arm, but Dahl's very good arm and sort of more average speed to balance things out. I think that's a super solid outfield should it happen. Evan, I, just, I think really, you just don't want to see Desmond in center field. I, I don't want, want to see Desmond, Desmond at all. That's <laughs> right. The poor, beautiful man. Really quick thing, um, just because I feel like I see it get asked in the subreddit a lot, is the reason you need a strong arm in right field is not throwing to second base or first base or home. It's the throw from right field to third base. That's the reason your right fielder needs a strong arm. Your center fielder and right fielder or left fielder have a much shorter throw to third base and they all have a comparable throw to second base. It's that throw to third yeah. that sets it up. I mean there's the cargo preventing doubles arm too, you know. He, right. <clears throat> Definitely. So who else we got? That is why. We got Colton Walker. Cold oh boy. So Colton Walker is uh it's honestly weird where you check because uh, Pipeline has him at number two, Prospectus has him at number five, America has him at number four, and Pipeline even has him on the overall at number 95. So Colton Walker, I think, is kind of safely considered fringe top 100. Um, and really the only reason he is fringe top 100 is because he needs to take on double A. Um, he finished uh, with Lancaster last season, absolutely destroyed it. Um, I think if he didn't have an injury, he would have won the batting title. Um, so again, Colton Welker, what he, all he does is hit. Um, the thing is that, uh, a lot of things like pipeline and prospectus in America don't necessarily trust that yet. Just because when you hit in Lancaster and Grand Junction, like you, they're like kind of memes of parks, like with like absurd dabs and like, basically what I've read is, uh, this is taken from baseball perspective. It said his high average is a bit of an illusion at presence as the approach into the zone is steeper and he leverages his attack angle less often than young power hitters, which is prospect or speak for, I don't believe him yet. And basically like what has been said is that the biggest test for a prospect is always going from, uh, I think it's like high A to double A. That's like the hardest reach besides, you know, obviously triple A to the majors. So that's kind of it on Colton Walker. Um, he's supposed to be a third baseman, and he's had comparisons to like Nolan Arenado in terms of his frame, in terms of his work ethic and everything. Um, he potentially could move to first, but Colton Walker himself seems determined not to do that. Um, so yeah, kind of third baseman. Oh, he's super slow too. 30 grade run speed. Like Nolan Chris Ionetta tier speed. <laughs> 
So. And we all know Mr. Concrete Lake Nolan is not. Exactly we love him, but he's not a fast man. Uh, <laughs> he's not a fast. So man. he only. I'm looking at uh, Welker only played six games at first for Lancaster with uh, five starts in that position. Every other game he he played in was at third. Uh, I think um, Tyler Nevin was doing a lot of the first base playing there. Yeah. Um, Will we something... ever find our first baseman? Apparently, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Todd yeah, Helton's going to shave his beard time. off and come back with like Groucho Marx glasses. Um, <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's not even a case of if like we should find our first baseman. There's no reason for us not to. It's just we go out and sign middle infielders to play first base, and it doesn't make any sense. Two, it's kind of cute. Middle infielders convert. Oh, Rockies. It's All a, right, so let a, me get a few words in on Colton Walker because he's my bae. Um, so the last time that I fell in love with I'm not telling Antonio Santatella. The last time I fell in love with a prospect this much was Antonio Sensatella. He's shown himself to be a good major league pitcher, and that's perfectly fine for everybody involved. Uh, Colton Walker, in 2017, and granted it was less than 300 at-bats in A-ball, he had a 158 weighted runs created plus. I mean, the dude absolutely mashed. And then in 2018, went up to Lancaster, like Jack said, um, since Lancaster is a launching pad of a ballpark, it's like a high school ballpark. Uh, he had a 134 weighted runs created plus, even though his slash line was really freaking good. He had a 49 slugging. Um, one of the things that Jack mentioned about him playing third, um, there's a website I like to use called baseballcensus.com. Um, it does great write-ups of, of lesser-known prospects that are a lot harder to find. Um, this guy went out to see a bunch of Lancaster games, and one of them that he talked about um, was a game that he went to on June 9th, and he, this was his last game that he saw in Lancaster, seeing a few of them. Um, he said uh, he's still very light on his feet and moving in on the ball very well. Throws well, great accuracy when he's off balance and on the run. Developing quickly at third, even across the few months that I've seen him. Rapid improvements, already with good aptitude for the position. May prove to be a late bloomer there and one day become a very good defensive third baseman. Upside, no doubt, more development to come in the coming months and coming years. So, Colton Walker is going to stick at third base, and it sounds like people are high on him sticking at third base. Well, it's interesting, too, when you talk about the comparisons with him and Nolan of being super slow but being light on their feet at third. Like, Nolan's the same way that he's – the way he plays third base, you would expect him to be fast, but it has nothing to do with his speed or anything like that. It's just his reaction – his reactions are so good, and he is just so good at throwing the ball. He's not fast, but he's nimble. Yeah, he gets to it. Quick, but Um, not – Speedy. Something I'm I'm thinking about with Colton Welker is um, in uh, 509 plate appearances, he did strike out 103 times, um, which is not awful, but could be lower. 42 walks, um, 14 double plays he grounded into, which was double um, his previous, uh, more than double from 2017 with Asheville and about twice the at-bats. Um, and, you know, I don't love double plays, but it also <laughs> could be much, much worse. I mean, you, the, that baseball census, um, has a YouTube channel and so you can look up stuff and he's got a thing on Colton Welker and you can watch him chase the low and outside pitch pretty consistently. Um, so it's, uh, from the looks of this video, and granted it's only a five minute video, um, that looks to be his weakness is the swinging on low outside pitches, much like Carlos Gonzalez. So, 
we saw how successful Carlos is, even though he can't lay off that damn pitch. Mm. So speaking of third baseman, first baseman, um, we have another one of kind of a Colton Welker type. Um, you might know as Tyler Nevin. Tyler Nevin was kind of a lower mid-tier prospect of ours. He's ranked number 11 on Pipeline, um, but Prospectus thinks he's number eight and America thinks he's number six. Um, so I, I would say he's a little bit similar in that he's a third baseman that like scouts are like, he could move to first, he might move to first. If he does move to first, uh, that would be bad um, because his bat doesn't really have a whole bunch of support for that. I mean, 55 grade hit tool, 50, you know, power tool, doesn't take a whole bunch of walks. Um, so he's, he's kind of fringy. Um, but cool things about him, he won the batting title in the Arizona Fall League this year by hitting literally 426. Uh, four, um, OBP of 535, slugging of 593. So, yeah. That's an yeah. OPS. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it, it is disgusting. And, um, his problems have been injuries. Um, oh, what I read on Baseball Prospectus was health has been a limiting factor for Nevin since he was knee-high to a baseball-playing grasshopper. So basically, the, it, the thing is that if Nevin gets rolling, he's amazing, but uh, he is typically not rolling because he's on the bench. But um, cool things, people say that if he does move to first base, he has soft hands to be a plus first baseman, which I guess matters apparently i don't know why i wrote that down um and he has the physical skills and work ethic to be a middle of the lineup corner infielder on a contending team says baseball america who is pretty high on him so the the questions yeah. on tyler nevin basically come down to you know can he stay at third to increase his value and can he stay healthy enough to keep that bat alive um, those are going to be the questions on him anyone else want to say anything about tyler nevin um, so a thumbs up on, on Nevin is that Nevin's a big dude. Like, huge. He's six four, two hundred pounds, and he's not quite twenty two yet. So, you know, he's still kind of growing into who he could be. Could he be even bigger? Um, and obviously, sometimes size is something that plays well at first base. Uh, his dad is also. He played baseball. Oh, was a former player. Yeah, and he currently actually is with the Yankees. His dad is Phil Nevin. He's their third base coach. So um, if you're looking at a kid that could get bigger who has a baseball family that is, you know, that never hurts, um, that's that's Tyler Nevin. And he's a – same thing, he's a young guy. And like you were saying, he just absolutely murdered the fall league. Yeah, he's huge. So there's some scouts that think – he'll learn to hit for power because he's just a gigantic person. Um, in Lancaster this year, 417 plate appearances. Um, he had a 141 weighted runs created plus, which is better than Colton Welker's, which I just mentioned. The dude can hit. It's just if he develops enough power to be able to play first base. And his frame certainly supports yeah. that. Yeah, uh, 13 home runs in uh, 378 at-bats and a, a really good slash in Lancaster followed by his incredible slash in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, he, he's also, so far, outside of his first year with Grand Junction, played the majority of uh, his games at first base. Uh, in the Arizona Ooh. Fall League as well, he, he played more than half of his games at first base, though he did have 
uh, four appearances at third during that time. Uh, of his 100 games in 2018 with Lancaster, 67 of those were at first base. Uh, so it, it does look like, I don't know if it's what he wants or what the organization wants for him, but he's getting the majority of his work at first base. I think that has come a little bit down to the fact that Colton Walker and him are kind of advancing at the same time. And uh, I think they have a little bit more belief that Walker could be um, a third baseman, at least a better one. Because uh, if you look at the tools, I mean, uh, Walker has a better arm, better ability to field than Tyler. So, but the soft hands with him, uh, you know, apparently he's going to be a plus for first baseman. Could be Paul Goldschmidt. No, <laughs> he's not going to be Paul Goldschmidt. Hottest uh, of know, Goldschmidt. But you know who could be? Left-handed Paul Goldschmidt, the Who? last infielder I will talk about. Uh, his name rhymes with Mant Maline. I don't know why I said that. Grant Levine. Um, you didn't perform the Super Bowl, did he? On where- <laughs> <laughs> wow. What were you going to go with, Mant Maline? I don't, no I don't know, man. <laughs> I try to be a little creative with my um, uh, my little intros, and I, I just don't have the Zach touch. Um, <laughs> well, he ho- so, hopefully he'll never play at Chavez Ravine, but here we're going to talk about Grant Levine. <laughs> See, I, yeah. Dude. You should just ask me about this stuff, and I'll start talking about Grant Levine. Um, no. Prospect but, watch. Uh, Grant Levine, it, it really depends on where you look. Like, Pipeline has him at number eight, Prospectus has him at number 11, and America has him at number five. And so the the, the thing is that he was like, in terms of the draft prospects, like where people thought they were going to be drafted or how good they are, Grant Levine was in the hundreds. And Jeff Bradish took him in like the competitive balance round at like number 37. Uh, so big risk. And the reason that it's a big risk is because he plays baseball in New Hampshire. And New Hampshire, because it is cold as heck, like, I don't know, seven months of the year or something. I don't know anything about New Hampshire. Uh, because they don't play in the winter and they're pretty much limited to summer baseball, uh, they don't play as much, they don't get enough time to develop, and so they haven't seen as good a competition. So people find that there's a lot of risk um, drafting people out of the New England. Uh, here's the thing is that he went to Grand Junction and absolutely destroyed it. He hit 350. He had an on-base percentage of 477 and had a sl- uh, 477 as a rookie. And then he had a um, slugging percentage of 519. Um, so people will say that, you know, he is huge. He's like six foot four, 235 pounds, something like that. I don't remember. At 18 I remember years I, old. At yeah, 18 at 18 years, years old. old. This dude could like bench press me and like, uh, like he could bench press three me's. All of us. Um, and he's a big boy. Uh, and people have said that, you know, he has the kind of bat that'll put him on the fast track. Um, that he's the prototype for a gold glove, silver slugger caliber first baseman. I'm not even kidding. Baseball America said that. Like, this dude has a high ceiling. The only issue is that he won't be here until at least 2022. Um, They've said uh, he has more athleticism than his burly build might indicate. This guy is projectable, which is really nice. Um, I'm really... So, you, like, I am to Grant Levine as John is to Antonio Sensatella. I think this guy is a beast. Does anyone have anything else glowing or gushing to say about Grand Levine? Because I would love to talk about him. The, yeah. How so many his age difference too is he's two and a half years he was two and a half years younger than the, the players he was playing with in the Pioneer League. So dude is yeah, I mean he's he's young, 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 young. And just on the the front of the New Hampshire and stuff, it's why 
it gets so annoying to hear, but you constantly hear about Todd Frazier and Mike Trout being from New Jersey because it's another similar thing. They aren't players that play year-round. So somebody like this kid who, I mean, he's just raw, but it's probably a lot more moldable than maybe some other kids are. I mean, the biggest thing that I noticed from Grant Levine is that his walk rate was better than his strikeout rate. And granted, it's the Pioneer League, but still, an 18-year-old who, again, like Jack and Jason said, growing up in a cold-weather place where he doesn't get to see as many pitches as these kids from Texas and California, he walked more than he struck out in his first season of pro ball. You don't see that very often. If Zach he Wilson walked, was really he high. He more than he struck out, and he had the slash to back that up of being, like, you know, 18 years old in, what, 60 games in Grand Junction? He absolutely killed it, and I'm really looking forward to see how this kid develops. Yeah, he had he had uh, a 1,000, basically, OPS in his 59 games, uh, 258 plate appearances at Grand Junction. And he was rated the top prospect in the Pioneer League. The last Rocky to be that um, ended up making the name majors. His name is David Dahl. So, mm. um, yeah, I uh, a lot of faith in this kid. And um, so to put an actual number on his size, Baseball Reference has him listed at six four, two hundred and twenty. And I don't know about you guys, but I did not stop growing when I was eighteen. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. this kid is going to be a monster. A big boy. And also, um, uh, it's not much, but he, he only grounded into a double plate twice in the entire Grand Junction. I see that's very season. important to you, uh, Evan. I, <laughs> Evan DP. After Desmond's year of, what was it, 24, grounded a double plate? Oh, and, D- that was and D- that was DJ, DJ, too. That was DJ. It was Desmond and D- DJ was the top, and then Desmond still had, like, 20. And I just decided I can't. I don't like it when people crowd into double play. That's your thing. And it's it's just something that really stands out to me, is being able to, to lift the ball, to not ground into double plays, to, I don't know, that's important to, to me. To be a beast. Yes. Speaking of large men that are six foot four, this is actually a good one, Zach. Uh, <laughs> I'm listening. Sam, <laughs> Sam Hilliard is also six foot four and much more athletic than his uh, build would indicate. Um, huh. and we remember Sam Hilliard from the, uh, I think he had the it's pretty good training that was on fire. Because we were all like, I don't want to see more of this guy. Um, and then we did, and he sucked. He had whoa, whoa, whoa. a league bad average. year. League average. League average with a monstrous strikeout rate mm. in, in double A. Uh, okay, uh, uh, I'm clearly, I have opinions. But anyways, below average hit tool, average power. People think that power could go up um, once he realizes it or once he figures out how to use, I want to say he had like 65 grade raw power, something ridiculous. Uh, but very fast, has a cannon, obviously because he was a pitcher in um, in college and has uh, is a pretty good fielder. But because of how big he is, um, the Rockies think he is more of a, uh, right fielder than a center fielder, which is unfortunate because he would be a great center fielder. Um, but there are reasons to explain that. Uh, the, his bad year, I mean, first of all, making the jump to a, uh, from high A to uh, double A is difficult in itself, but Hilliard also faced an emotional challenge in 2018. Um, his father was diagnosed with ALS, which if anyone knows, um, it's a muscle degenerative disease that's really hard. Uh, and so um, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it all depends on where you check uh, stuff about Sam Hilliard. Like, Prospectus thinks he is, like, like uh, just nobody sees it. Like they said, that he falls in the Talkman-Patterson continuum of fringy Rockies corner prospects, and uh, we all know how those guys turned out. Uh, neither of them are really with the team right now. Uh, but, um, yeah, that's kind of it for Sam Hilliard. He is also 24, so uh, TikTok, yeah, time is running out. Fast. Sam Hilliard is fast, fast, fast. Yeah, that, that, yes, the floor goes by Jason by Sam Hilliard because... Yeah. Sam Hilliard was his prospect. Crash that age Hill. differential for him has yeah. never really been in his favor. He's never been more than uh, in Hartford. He's only like 0.3 uh, years behind most folks, uh, and in most other levels of the minors so far, he's been somewhat older than the majority of other players on the team. I will say about his strikeout rate, though, while his bat didn't really back up the strikeout rate he had. Um, in 2018 with Hartford, his strikeout to walks ratio has been about the same since he first joined the organization. Uh, so in 2016 with Asheville, 150 uh, strikeouts to 56 walks. 2017 with Lancaster, 154 strikeouts to 50 walks. And then last year, uh, 151 to 41. John, you don't care about strikeouts, so that doesn't bother you. <laughs> he's a three-true outcome player if he has the power. He is like the tree. He's not the. If he if he's got if he's got the power to complement his speed, he has potential to be a very very good player. So really quickly, do you guys know who led the league in grounded in double plays last year? Oh, no. was it DJ Ledesmond? <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't any. It wasn't a Rocky. Albert Pujols. It wasn't Albert. Pujols. Can you give us a hint? Miguel Cabrera. Oh, he was injured. Never mind. It's I mean, the only the hint I'll give you is that he's a free agent. Bryce Harper. Uh, Manny Machado. Manny Machado. Really? What? Grounded in the most double plays of any player last year. <laughs> oh, that dang yeah! Why didn't I think of Matt Kemp? The Rockies actually don't. Let's see. Ian Desmond is twenty fourth, and Nolan Arenado is twenty fifth. Those are their two guys in the top thirty. Hmm. Yikes! Come on, so. Nolan. Hit more double plays. <laughs> um, so we've we talked Rogers, Hampson, Hilliard, Welker, Nevin, Levine. Um, I else? think we are going to go another podcast, another episode of the podcast to talk about our pitching prospects. And then the other guys that we just also like. Including a pitching prospect named Chichi Gonzalez who I am 100% going to accidentally refer to as Chichi Rodriguez on multiple <laughs> occasions. Hey, Chichi was a top prospect for the Rangers a long time ago. He His, was a top 100 prospect. He had a great 2015 oh, I'm season. Chichi Rodriguez, I know, I'm the, just saying. The golfer. The golfer. <laughs> Chichi had a great 2015, but... It, well, he always used to sword fight with his putter, and it was the greatest. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um, um, we'll give an honorary shout-out to uh, Rymel Tapia, who... It feels oh. like he's a prospect, even though he's out of options. Um, what are we question do marks with him? for him are: Can he hit everything? The question mark and is can everything. Can he field? And can, what's can his hair going to look like? And how much international bonus money is he worth? Right, That's John. That's all that matters. Oh to me. no, <laughs> John! International bonus money, strikeouts don't matter. Foster. That's all it is. That's exactly what it is. All right, guys. And we'll have to figure out everybody well, else's base next time on Prospect Watch. <laughs> Prospect, Prospect Watch. Da, 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 da.
Hey, uh, I think if anything, <laughs> us running this long and still having a lot of people to talk about is great because it says how many interesting uh, young players there are to look at in our organization right now. Seriously. It's strange. Rockies are deep. And we have a lot of cool reliever prospects that not a lot of people know about, which we'll also Ooh. talk about. We and should never sign so, another the, free the, agent reliever again. Ever. The scary thing about being deep is we've all seen how well this team Ooh. likes to manage their prospects. I can't wait to sign so. Carlos Gonzalez to a two-year major league deal. <laughs> you know. <laughs> two years. Well, it'll be, it'll be one of those options that you never actually should have taken, but you just take it for some stupid reason. Yes. All right. Well, let's uh, sign out. Evan, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. I always love being on. Appreciate you guys having me again. Yep, you'll be back on soon. Yes, yes. Talk to you guys next time. See ya. Bye. Bye. Start wearing a purple